Welcome. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Producer, director, actor, writer, and ugly Christmas sweater aficionado Jeremy Sagers talks shop with Nick on this episode, and his shop is the theater. This episode is brought to you by Ice Pants. Are your trousers ready for a rise in temperature? A literal rise in the temperature of the earth, not the fun kind. It will be once you get a pair of ice pants. Similar to a regular pair of slacks, ice pants are lined with a space-age polymer that stays cold all day. Throw it in the freezer each night, ready to go in the morning. They come in a variety of styles, and so long as you don't iron them, you or your town won't be exposed to deadly radiation. Ice pants. Climate change? More like climate chic. Order at toacertaindegree.com. Hi, good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Let me start that over. The waitresses with Christmas wrapping and a uh, very special guest. He is fully engaged in the Christmas spirit uh, with a Christmas sweater already. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. I'm going to read it out loud because we're on the radio. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I will put up a picture of my very special guest. Oh, Jeremy Sagers is here. Hi. Hi, good morning. Thanks good for coming morning. out. When I got dressed, I wasn't uh, anticipating having my, f- my photo taken. I was like, I'll just wear a Christmas sweater. It's cold. It's chilly it out. It is kind of chilly. It'll be 80 degrees as oh, soon yeah. as we get out of here at yeah. 9 a.m. But right. At 4 right o'clock now, in the morning, it was chilly. Yeah, I'm like, uh, okay, I've got my uh, very thin summer jacket or my London fog. Right. You know, heavy sort of thing. I don't know what to wear, but that's that's pretty much every day for me. Well, good morning, Jeremy. You are back. This is, uh, we had a very special episode uh, with you and Teresa Hansen over the summer. Yes. Uh, for the show that you guys are putting on Next called St. Joan. Saint Joan mm-hmm. uh, right here which, at Rollins. At Rollins College. Yeah. No coincidence that you're back because you were a fantastic guest. Oh, thanks. And I uh, wanted to get to know you a little bit better. And so because we didn't know each other, you reached out, said you were doing the show. I was like, yes. And we couldn't make a Monday work, so we just had you come in. We did a half-hour episode. And you can go back and listen to that. Uh, learn a lot, as a matter of fact, about... Uh, the, a show that is done. So. You know, but still, it was, <laughs> it was really engaging in terms of, like, the history of the show. Yeah. George Bernard Shaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was uh, something that... It was sort of a passion project for you, to an extent, to put on something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, go back, listen to that. You also had some really good advice. I don't know if you remember this, for directors, people getting into theatre. Uh, is, I believe, how you pronounce it. But uh, So go back and listen to that. But in the meantime, let's get to know you. Okay, so hit pause. Go back and listen to that. Right. And you're back. Good. Right. And so now we're going to get to know Jeremy now wake a up. little bit you, better. Now that you've fallen asleep <laughs> listening to me. Nice. Nice. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Uh, a little more personal. Mm-hmm. Very personal. We're going to play a game. It's uh, basically 20 questions. Oh. Okay. But instead of saying up or down, yes or no, any of those things, you're going to say dot the I's or cross the T's. So if you're for something, dot the I's. Okay, for something, dot the I's. If you're against something, cross the T's. Okay, I dot think it. I've got it, yeah. Okay. Dotted I's because the most beautiful letter, you yeah. can make the dot into different shapes. It's true, flower, it's, smiley yeah. face, yeah. Anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, cross T's. <laughs> I don't like it when things no. and or people cross me. No. That's not it's good like the for crucifixion. Them. Right. So, no. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> people are often against me and do cross me quite right. a bit. So, that's right. why I don't particularly like that one. Okay. Okay. 
So the iPhone X, dot the I's or cross the T's? Oh, um, hmm. I don't have one, but I would say, I mean, it would be fun to have one. So sure, why not dot the I? Okay. Yeah. So the face recognition, any of that kind of creepy out or you're um, good with that? I'm okay with, is, is there a way to turn that off? Uh, probably. You know? Yeah, if you can turn it off, like I don't do the, the fingerprint thing on my phone. I have the code. Um... Because I don't want my finger, my thumbprint or fingerprint just like out there. I mean, even though the government has it, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, I would say if there's a way to like minimize all of that, sure, why not? The photos look great. And I, I'm, do, I'm really yeah. all about the photos. Okay. So I mean, I know there's a, a thing called a camera, but whatever. Um, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't, is that a thing? It's a thing from like the 90s, I think. Yeah. But so long ago. But um, no, I would say, you know, I'll have to take a look at it. I just, I, I know people have really liked it that have that have it. And the photos look great. Again, okay. with the photos. Great. So. I like the <laughs> facial recognition because I like the idea yeah. of... Something, anything recognizing me. Right. So I think that's nice. <laughs> uh, voicemail, dot the I's or cross the T's? Oh, cross the T's. Not so much on voicemail. No, text me. Okay. Text me. Right um, now or? Yes. Well, okay, let me the text reception's right not very good in here, so you okay. may not come through, but <laughs> definitely, um, yeah, text or just call and, and I'll know that you've called because I'll see the missed call, probably staring at my phone waiting for it to say missed call. Right. Um, as it's ringing because I'm avoiding you. Um, but... Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say, I'm, I cross it, cross that T. So if I leave a voicemail, you're just going to call me back. It's I'm really not going to matter if I leave a voicemail. If you're dying or something, like, what am I going to do? Call 911 or something, you know? That's a good point. You I know? like how those are the two extremes. I either right. have something that I don't need to leave you a message about, right. or I'm dying. Right. That's good. really what it comes good. down to. Colonizing Mars, dot the I's or cross the T's? <clears throat> um... Sure, why not dot, dot the eyes? I a think very, so that doesn't seem very enthusiastic. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like we need to take care of our planet here probably mm -hmm. before we before we start colonizing other worlds. Um, so, and it's, I mean, it seems a little far fetched, but I would say, um, you know, why not get get the ball rolling? Let's let's screw up another planet. Okay, yeah, <laughs> let's get started on that early. Yeah, because <laughs> it took us a while to screw up this planet. Well, sure. If you think about it. Yeah, yeah. So let's get started early on Mars. I think is what I'm hearing here. Yeah. Would you want to go? Would you no. want to establish a theater company there? I hate. I don't like flying, so I'm not going to enjoy going to another planet. <laughs> Rocket. <laughs> yes, yeah, space travel. That ride at Epcot. You know, with oh, like the that, rocket, the, that thing yeah. with the that spins you around or whatever. Like I get a panic attack on that sometimes, um, and that's not going anywhere. That's just simulating. So, what if we ba barackist you and tranquilized you, and then just took you there, and um, you just ended up there? You went to sleep, and then you woke up there two and a half years later. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Um, that would be, yeah, sure. I like the, I just like the B.A. Baracus reference. That's right. Really I, I've, I've verbed his name. <laughs> yes. So we're going to need arts and culture on yes. Mars. Well. As a, as a welcome distraction. We need it here. From, I mean, well, you know. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we were lacking here. But no, I, uh, I think, um, yeah, I would be down if you could knock me out or, um, you know, transport me a la, you know, Star Trek, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that would be, that would be good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll work on the transporter. Then. Yeah. Let's, let's do that.
so they all celebrate their birthday today. I wanted to see. You could do them as a group or separately, but Jimi Hendrix, Catherine Bigelow, and Bruce Lee. Dot the I's or cross the T's? Oh, I think dot the I's for all of them. For all of them. Yeah, okay, I think so. I think they're all very valuable. Were, were and are. I mean, with, with, with uh, Ms. Bigelow, um, very talented director. So, yeah. Oh, you you can't, you don't know her well enough to call her Catherine? Well, <laughs> this is 2017 and uh, Harvey Weinstein, that's all I have to say. Okay, very good, very good. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, and uh, Catherine Bigelow, of course, still with us. A long-time yes. listener, so that's why I wanted oh, good. to make sure. Hey, that- Kate, see if she's listening, I call her yeah. Kate. Oh, okay. Katie sometimes on the weekends, but um, yeah. You guys. Uh, okay, let's go back to the phone for a second. Uh, dot the I's across the T's. Taking your phone in the bathroom. Oh, always dot the I. Okay. Taking my phone. Everywhere. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yes. Everywhere, anywhere. Pretty much. All I mean, the time. it's nice when I accidentally forget it because it actually means that I'm, I'm being present um, or mindful, as my therapist likes to say. Sure, sure. Uh, you can't see me rolling my eyes. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, I, I you do. You know, your therapist is a longtime listener I do. as well. <laughs> I do. But she's also an alcoholic, so she's passed out right now. Perfect. Um, but uh, I would say that's not true if she is listening. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> how many just, people will we push away during this episode she's, to a certain degree? She's lovely. Um, uh, but no, I, yeah, I take it everywhere. I just, it's, 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 uh, it's horrible, but yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, zombies. Oh, cross the T. They're so, I'm so over them really. Um, so you're a storyteller. I mean, yeah. you produce, you direct, yeah, yeah, you write, if I remember correctly. Um, I write texts. Okay. You write in, uh, you write. Facebook updates, yeah. Plays in yeah. Facebook form. Right. 140 characters. 280 characters now. Now, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so as a storytelling device, mm-hmm. you're kind of over them. Yeah, I think they're... Yeah, they're just overused. I don't I haven't seen anybody do anything unique or new or fresh with them in a while. And um, I think you know, I, I love I love horror movies, and mm-hmm. I love Night of the Living Dead, and I, I like um, Twenty Eight Days Later, um, which really I know they're they're, they're considered that wasn't like a zombie zombie, but um, but I just feel like yeah, nowadays there's not anything new. So unless somebody comes along and really reinvents it. I think the la- I think the last zombie movie that I really enjoyed was um Zombie Land. Sure. Um, and that was, was really more about the characters yeah. than the, the zombies were really superfluous to that. Exactly. And Bill Murray. I mean anytime Bill Murray's in something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but you know, and that was that was fun. But yeah, yeah, over it. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Good to know. Coffee. Dot the eyes cross the teeth. Oh. So many eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the eyes have it. Yep. So many eyes with the coffee, yes. And and black coffee and good. Not none none of this, you know, seven eleven nonsense. Right. So very good coffee. I'm drinking very good coffee right now. Okay. Am I allowed to say where it's from? Sure. It's lineage. Oh yeah. It's very, very tasty. good coffee. Very we have a lot coffee. of lot of good coffee shops. Mm, we do. Here in town. We do. Uh, so it's very it's very easy to get good coffee. Yes. So you should always do that. Absolutely. Don't yeah. don't uh, don't accept any substitutes. Ex- exactly. Because it's <laughs> yeah, substitutes are bad. 
I couldn't think of anything there. Mm, I just really took a trying. sip. It's really good. good. Yeah. Driverless cars. Dot the oh. I's, cross the T's. Driverless cars. You had a very visceral reaction yeah. just there. Well, I know. So I guess for people who are visually impaired, mm-hmm. I think that's great. But I think it needs to be limited to maybe that to people who actually need them as opposed to people who are just lazy and want like a small train because that exists you know like we don't need <laughs> like we don't need just everyone riding around in a driverless car i don't think okay um but i think there are people who could benefit from them and can use them and i think that that's um uh, that's good so so maybe dot dot the t i don't know but um <laughs> um i would say dot the i in general but i think as long as it's 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 um you know, monitored and I think very specific use, I think then that's, it's a good thing, you know? So, and this may go back to your feelings on the phone and being mm-hmm. present and being engaged and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Why not for other people? Why not if I wanted to just, I go to Daytona, I visit my family, if I just want to read the entire way, uh, which would be nice because right. it's an hour and I'm trying to de-stress before I go see my family anyway. <laughs> Uh, why not a driverless car in that situation? Hmm. I think it could be abused to the point where, so I, I am not a fan of using my phone in the car. I will say that. Oh, like course. I don't yeah. have it with me and everything, but as yeah, far yeah. as the texting and all that stuff. Right. Other um, than the text I was getting from you this morning on your way in. At, and I waited until I was stopped <laughs> at an intersection at Mills in Virginia to sure, text sure, you sure. back. I was like, sure. I have to wait. I have to wait. I have to be good. Um, but uh, I don't, you know, hmm. I think I can see the the benefit. I used to live in New York and on the train, I loved just being able to, to read yeah, and course. stuff like that on my phone and be, or whatever, a book. And, um, and or being able to take a nap or whatever. That's great. Um, but I wish, if I think if public transportation were better... So that seems like where you were going with it. I wanted to make sure. Yeah. It seems like in a lot of cases, what we need to do is not have more cars on the roads. Right. um, Especially if they're all driverless. Right. Although, in theory, if they're all driverless, then the traffic situation might get better. If they're all driverless, then they're really just a bunch of trains, aren't they? Right. Then it makes (laughs) sense to have some sort of public transportation. Yeah. Yeah. Or improve public transportation first and then look at that. Exactly. But what was the other reaction? Because I still think Mm. there's something with the phone (laughs) and with the being present and being, maybe it's a control issue. It, well, I'm, I mean, hello, if my therapist is listening, um, (laughs) Long time listener. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe a little bit of a, of a control issue, and maybe just a little bit. I don't like driving. I don't like. Okay. Um, I don't actually like being in a car. I don't like anybody driving me. I don't like to drive. Okay. Yesterday, I drove back from Jacksonville after the holiday, and um, and it was terrifying because there were I passed three accidents on ninety five, and um, people were driving like maniacs even when they you know couldn't really yeah. they found a way um and i just don't know what they would do if they could program their cars to like do something crazy you know what i mean or like i, I don't see. you so know you're afraid of people so I'm afraid of other people so let me ask you <laughs> let me ask you this because the algorithm itself yeah the the control for the car the ai or whatever it ends uh-huh. up being is going to be programmed to keep you safe what you're mm-hmm. concerned about is people just hacking it somehow or maybe manually taking over yeah. and screwing things up. So you fear people. 
people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. I, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I and I don't like. I just the idea of this car. You know, it's it's a weird thing. Um, I would I would rather. I don't I mean flying is fine short distances, but I would rather. Um, I don't take a train. I love taking the trains. Yeah. I love taking. I when, when I lived up north, it was it was fantastic. Take the take the train up to Montreal. Take the train to Pennsylvania. Take the train, you know, wherever. And and uh, it was it's fantastic. And I wish. I wish we had that down here. So infrastructure. Wow, first. that's awfully early to be lamenting, isn't it? Wow. No, no, this. we get deep, man. <laughs> we get deep. Plus, this is going to be a podcast at some point, that's so true. people aren't going to know what time it is. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it time. is early, though. Is. Uh, okay, so let me ask you about China's Tianyang Space Station. Tianyang 1. Uh-huh. They shot this up as a test space station. Right. So... Uh, it is going to be crashing down later this year or early next year. Mm-hmm. Dot the I's or cross the T's? Terrifying. Cross the T's. <laughs> cross the T's. You're terrified. Ter- Once again, it's like hurling metal at something else at a very yes. fast speed. And that is what driving is. And that that's what this crashing <laughs> space station is. I got is. it. So this to you is indicative and is uh, almost a metaphor for how the you end feel of the about world. driving. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I made the leap from driving to end of the world, but yeah, I can see that. No, no, I, uh, no, it does, it does, it is a little, it is a little scary, you know, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know. It's very, yeah. So it doesn't add a certain amount. So a couple of mm-hmm. guests have said, uh, well, it adds thrill to your life, right? Like you don't know where it's going to hit. Right. So it makes you maybe want to live a little. Right. Or it, it, or do you want to go Liza Minnelli like when uh, Skylab was crashing down? Uh-huh. She got really scared and right. spent like what was it like a month in bed or a year in bed or something right. like that. I mean, it may I be making that up? It doesn't. I think I don't know if that's Liza. I'm not sure. That's I'm gonna have to call her and figure that out. Yeah, Liza, but, longtime <laughs> listener, if you're listening, right. can you call in? Also asleep right now. Well, I'm sorry. Text us, right? <laughs> because we're not going to do voicemail. Well, no, not going to do voicemail. And um, I'm not saying that she is my therapist, but she may still be asleep right now. Okay. So, um, as well. But um, have we ever seen your therapist and Liza Minnelli in the same room at the same time? I would like to cross the T on that. <laughs> Very good question. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a certain thrill. I, I definitely. Um, I don't, I, I, it doesn't, it's not paralyzing. The fear isn't paralyzing to me, mm-hmm. but, um, I, will I go out and immediately look up at the sky when I leave here? Absolutely. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> it's a good thing we're in a basement right now because you'd be at a window right. just watching otherwise. I would exactly. Right. I'm actually checking my texts right now. Is anyone texting me? Is anything falling? Chicken little. That's what you could call me. I'm because okay. the sky is falling. <laughs> You know, whether it's China sky or <laughs> whatever it is, it's uh, I, I just I uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. You never know. Uh, you just you never know some of these things. And I don't I'm not like a conspiracy theorist at, at all. But um, no, whenever somebody starts a sentence with yeah. that, you're you are whatever <laughs> that is. <laughs> I don't think that I am though. I think I've I think uh, I just But tell me about the conspiracy you're about to tell me about. No, I just you just don't know what's out uh there and I'm not necessarily talking about aliens. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you don't know what our government what other governments have out there that's going to go terribly wrong mm-hmm. and really screw something up, you know, majorly. Um 
<laughs> that'll just mean who's in the White House right now. Um, so, yeah. So, so I just like to, uh, you know, I think I think a healthy uh, dose of of, uh, of fear of falling, fear, metal. concern, yeah. awareness, mindfulness. Thank you, Doctor Eliza. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think it's good to have that. I think it's. It. It also. I don't know. I think using your imagination to think about these things is healthy too. You mm-hmm. know, think about the worst possible thing that can happen. I think too many people walk around and they kind of have this. Uh, oh, it's everything's going to be great. And what Rose is it? Well, everything can go right. Yeah. It will go right. Mm, incorrect. You should think about the worst possible thing. Yeah. Imagine it. Really visualize Just, it. I mean, it should be in your head all the time. All the, well, no, then you let it go. Oh, you let it pass through. Oh, I have a problem with that part. With the letting it go. Yeah, that's not something I do naturally. And if my therapist is listening, gonna work on that. I just I think uh, we block out some of these negative, you know, thoughts, and and it's good to let to have them, and it's good to to kind of uh, be a little apprehensive and anxious about stuff. Don't let it paralyze you. Okay. But uh, I don't know. That's me. What do I? I'm you know I. Don't I mean I am I am the worst uh, person to give advice. So well, listen. <laughs> you know what? You were the only person giving advice right now on this show. <laughs> so you're the best person. Okay, good. All right, let's uh, let's take it back. Let's go with something Please. a little bit easier. <laughs> cursive uh, writing um, in cursive states are starting to require it again. Mm-hmm. Dot the I's or cross the T's, literally. Dot, dot the I, yeah. yeah. Dot the I. I, I Big still, fan. I still write in cursive um, occasionally, um, unless I want to be ironic, and then I write, <laughs> I print it. Um, but no, I still, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it's a great um, tool, a great thing to learn. So yeah. when are you writing in cursive? Um, when I really want, when I want people to think that I'm fancy. Oh, uh, okay. To, no, I'm kidding. I do it. I mean, I do, but I do it, um, if it's a more, um, professional thing, if it's a more, um, I would say like, even when I, when I sign my name, I sign my name in cursive. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, unless I'm whatever, unless it's like a, an, an autograph, all of the autograph hounds on there. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Jeremy Sagers. If you, you can tell if it's authentic because it's in cursive. That's right. Yeah. So if you have one that's just an X or that's written out longhand, that ain't real, folks. No, scribbled with like a backward R. And yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm for it. And I, I, uh, I think it's a, I think it's just, it, it's a discipline more than anything that helps. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and it does look nice and it does look, you know, uh, there's nothing, um, worse than not being able to read someone's handwriting and you get um, something from your grandma. You want to be able to read it. Right. Before you cash that $5 check. Right. 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 Yeah. Or lose it, which is what I used to do yeah. all the time. <laughs> this is more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> and then you light a cigarette with it. Just absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. <laughs> uh, sandwiches, cross the I's or dot the T's or sorry. Dot the I's or cross the T's. <laughs> um, I, I, dot the I, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I, I enjoy a good sandwich. I love the, the old pom-poms. Sure. Here, I mean, it's it's not that old, but I, um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's I'm a old fan. in Orlando years. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're in, they have some wonderful sandwiches. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of a good sandwich, though. What's your favorite to make for yourself? Oh, I don't, I don't make anything for myself. No, <laughs> Maybe another thing to talk to Liza about. <laughs> yeah. um, 
No, uh, I like, um, well, my favorite, that's really hard to say. That's really, really hard to narrow down. Um, I will say when growing up, my favorite thing was the, was a chicken salad sandwich mm-hmm. that I would make. Um, but not only chicken anymore, so <laughs> it's not that anymore. Um, Gosh, that's really, 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 really tricky to to narrow down. I will say at Pom Poms, my favorite thing is the Tuscan melt. Um, but I get it without onions and I add avocado and it is hmm. it is amazing. All right, I'm starving now. We're gonna go <laughs> there right after this. How about the beach? Oh, cross the T. Yeah. Ugh. Not so much. No. What is to like? It's hot, sand everywhere. Um there's the water situation, which is like you don't know what's going to be living in there. No, uh, what is like you know, and then and then, as if I you know needed another reason to not like the beach. When I lived in uh, in, in in Brooklyn, we lived close to Coney Island, mm-hmm. and you could get. <laughs> Stabbed walking on the beach with a needle. There were so many, like so many needles and broken glass, and just the beach there is is the worst. I just from a Florida tourism standpoint, yeah. he is talking about New York. I am talking about New York. So you but, may want to just come to Florida. Right. <laughs> but then Florida still has the sand and the heat. Sure, sure. I'm not um, a I'm not a big fan of the beach either for yeah. a lot of those reasons. But I love that it's the same reasons that if you did love the beach, you, you would be would talking like. about the same thing. The sand and right, the heat right. and the water. Nobody says, I like the beach for the snow and the mountains, you know, unless, right. whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't. Um, even at night, people are like, oh, what about at night? I'm like, no. What I'll, about just looking at the beach from a motel balcony with a cocktail? No, it's, well, the cocktail part, but um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed with my therapist, Liza. Um, no, I, I don't think... Uh, I just, yeah, it just doesn't interest me. It's very flat. Like, people go to Hawaii, and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it just doesn't really um, interest me. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. good. <laughs> Tiny houses. Sure. Uh, dot the dot I. The yeah, I think, yeah. They'll be, think they're fun. Yeah. yeah. Wait, would you live in one? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If someone gave one to me, I don't know how much I'd pay for one. <laughs> like, if someone came up and like, here's a tiny house Here's for you. the t- Okay. Then so I would that's how there. we That's how we jumpstart the tiny house industry. <laughs> yes. Give one Just to me. give them away. <laughs> I yes. think is what. Okay. Uh, last but not least, yes. cobbler, the dessert, not the person who fixes your shoes. Right. Dot the I's or cross the T's. It depends what's in it. It depends okay. what's what thing, uh, you know, blueberry cobbler. Yes. Um, peach cobbler, not really a big fan of peaches. Oh, okay. So, um, yes, it really depends. But the general concept of it, I I say dot the I. But if there's some, if the fruit, it depends. It depends on the fruit. Yeah, so cobbler yeah. or pie, which would you pie. choose? Pie. Okay. All the way pie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with your control issues, you like something <laughs> a little more organized. Yes. It's like you're channeling her, even though she's not here. Yeah. Um, so. We all have a little Liza in us. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, yeah. Pie, definitely. Yeah. You you can control so much with a pie. <laughs> And quote we'll of the day. That. Yes. <laughs> you can control so much with a pie. So let's uh, listen. And I appreciate you picking out some of the music today uh, for us. We have yeah. a Christmas theme. Yeah. Uh, musical playlist going. I love Christmas music. And I'll put this up on um, Spotify probably a little bit later on. But cool. let's listen to, I hadn't heard the song before, so I really appreciate it when uh, people, guests are suggesting uh, new bands or new music that I haven't heard before. But this is Tom Waits. Yes. With Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. 
So it's just perfect for the Christmas season. Absolutely. And you'll hear that on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Tom Waits on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida. Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis uh, from 1978-ish. So mm-hmm. going on a 40-year-old song right there. And I really appreciate it. Uh, Jeremy Sagers is here with me. Uh, my name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. Uh, suggestion from you, a song that I hadn't heard before. I love Tom Waits. Excellent, excellent song. And you mentioned there were some live versions of it. Yeah. And some other uh, versions out there. Nico Case, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Nico Case has a version of it. There's some live versions you can find on YouTube where he adds um, a little Silent Night thing at the beginning. And it's it sounds like a Silent Night you would hear if you walked into like a lounge or something, a smoky bar. Yeah. And then he goes into that. And I think he may end with it too in the, in the version but yeah just to just to make it extra christmasy yeah i love as if, it you know <laughs> as if I it needed it. that <laughs> right no we all need a little bit of that well i mean it goes back to you know we were just talking off air about a more traditional christmas like yes. bringing back some of the traditions including krampus mm-hmm. like first of all jokingly let's put a little fear back into the holidays totally which we should <laughs> Uh, but I think on some other end is give you some perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like it should be a little bit of, uh, you know, appreciating what you have and, yeah. and things of that nature. Cause I know I don't, uh, here I am right. on the radio <laughs> with an amazing guest and I'm about to say something ridiculous in order to try to segue into something about you. I appreciate oh, that. Yeah. I appreciate that. So let me ask you. <laughs> Professionally, oh boy, Here we Justice go. League. Oh, did you see it? No. Okay, so I, I don't want to get into the whole thing about Justice League yeah. and the DC universe versus the Marvel universe and cinematic universes in general. Okay. the The issue that I had with it is that you have Justice League and mm-hmm. you have comic books, which mm-hmm. have a very storied history, mm-hmm. right? And I'm a comic book fan and and all of those things. But when you come out with a movie, when you come out with a show mm-hmm. uh, that you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't take or you don't put your best foot forward. Uh, you don't take the best story that you can possibly give. This mm-hmm. was a very what I felt like, and I'm not, I don't think I'm giving anything away from this particular movie. Is there was a very generic story, second tier baddie, like you wouldn't even recognize him from the comic books. Mm. Um, you and what what was even the point when you have so many good stories out there? Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about as a storyteller yourself, as mm. a director, mm-hmm. as somebody who is bringing you're you're producing a couple of shows mm-hmm. uh, or uh, at least one show this spring that I want to talk about. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, what is it about you know first of all interpreting somebody else's work and then putting on your best show? So can you talk a little bit, first of all, about interpreting somebody else's work? Because that's, as a director, Mm -hmm. um, that's what you're doing. You're trying to stay true to what they originally envisioned, Mm -hmm. but also trying to put, give it your own take and your own spin. Sure. Um, Yeah, I think, well, I think with, with, uh, with theater specifically, sometimes you're working with um, a story, you're working with a script that. Um, where the the playwright is no longer around, I mean, they may have um, died, or they may just not be in in, in the uh, creative process involved with the creative process, um, which is a little different than film, where, where sometimes, oftentimes, the director is the writer or one of the co writers or something. Um, but with um, with theater, 
Yeah, when, when I'm choosing a script, um, I want to, the first thing I look is, is this a story that I want to tell? That's the first thing I consider. Um, and then if it is, I consider, well, how could I do this, you know, honoring the, the uh, playwright's vision, mm -hmm. um, their voice, but not going over the top with um with with my own brand with my own thing with my own ego let's say right or um, what you think the message is right yeah. it still has to be left to the audience in some cases to interpret it yeah i mean i think it yes that's true um my thing is i want to i want to tell the story um with just the right amount of um just just the just the right elements okay. i don't want to go too much i don't yeah. want to make it too much about the set or the you know this really cool concept i have for this actor to do like a bit like in the thing oh you're going to do this physical thing and it's going to look really fun you know no if it doesn't fit the story um and if it doesn't fit the characters um because sometimes the they're you know, it's 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 possible that there is no message. You know, shall we, shall we say it's just it's just whatever that whatever that story is. What can I bring to it that will um, that will bring it to life? And um, for instance, uh, with Equus, mm -hmm. it was really important that the set was in a was a barn that we that we set the play in a barn in an actual barn, so that I didn't have to do much to it. Um, and Jamie DeHay, who was the set designer on that, he he dressed it um, very sparingly. There wasn't a lot of um, extra stuff. We brought in some hay, um, bales of hay, and brought in um, some equipment, like rustic-looking farm equipment and stuff. And that was really it. We hung some Edison light bulbs because they have this nice warm glow that I wanted the, the, the thing to have. But we didn't go over the top with the setting because... I felt like it just needed to serve the script just enough and not go overboard because you could with a play like that, you could go or, you know, the, the, the play has multiple locations and you could have moving sets and you could have a, sure. all this, that, and maybe if that's, that's great for, for Broadway or something where people are paying in $160 a ticket, they want to see where their money's going. Um, but for me, it, it's much more important that it, it really um, support the story and um, and really help tell it and f facilitate that. Um, with Dracula, uh, it was very much the same. I didn't want to overdo. There were so many stage directions. And this is the thing you'll find in a lot of plays. There, there are all these stage directions written in there, which the playwright had nothing to do with. They were written they were by a stage it. manager. Right. Yeah. In the original production, it, it, it helps if you're just reading it. It's great because you, you go to the library, you you know bookstore, and you read this play, and you, you want to know how they did it. it. a little bit more, yeah. Exactly. But when you're actually producing it, it really, uh, I feel like it, it limits um, the director a little bit. And um, to me, necessity is truly the mother of invention. And um, the less you have the more you can kind of uh, daydream and let your mind kind of go in different directions about, okay, how can we do this and problem solve? If it's all there for you and it's, well, you just do this and that and the other, then it's just a matter of money. It's, yeah, it's paint by numbers it's at it. that point. Yeah. yeah, and do I have a venue that can accommodate this? Do exactly. I have everything that I need in terms of 
not only the talent, but the people to put together the the background and everything. Exactly. So I think it's interesting because you're kind of known for putting shows on in unusual places, something you kind of brought back with you uh, from uh, working in New York for, uh, how long were you up there? I was there for three years. Yeah. And um, I saw... A trend uh, beginning um, of this, you know, site-specific immersive theater. I saw this production of Alice in Wonderland uh, called Then She Fell, and I saw it several different locations, but the first one was in this former um, hospital, and I, I, I believe it was a mental hospital. I don't know exactly. Oh, but wow. There was this one part where you're in this, like, communal shower area, and... Um, what you know what used to be so everything's tile and she's doing this dance kind of like up the wall and like on, on the window ledge and movement piece and it's just so uh it, it it there's not a single set that you could build that would give that same feeling right that context can't yeah. be faked somewhere else yeah the authenticity yeah. of yeah. it um of being you know in there and um so it, 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 in in sleep no more, which is a which is a, an incredible experience, um, immersive experience in New York. Um, I saw a lot of these plays and and um, and and experiments is really what they were because people don't know if they're going to work at, at, at first um, on the street and in apartment buildings. And there's a lot of that happening in New York. Um, because it's too expensive to do it in an actual venue. <laughs> you know, I think that's probably where it started. Um, but coming back, I just, I, I wanted to, uh, and it wasn't like because I thought I would be any good at it. Um, cause I've done traditional, I've directed and produced sure. traditional theater. Um, but I just felt like it was something that wasn't being done in Orlando. Um, a lot anyway, there, there are a couple of companies who are doing it here. Um, and, um, very successfully, but I also wanted to do it with, with, uh, with a script. Mm -hmm. um, the pre-existing script, which which meant not writing necessarily my own or writing the play around the location, which happens a lot. And but, in that case, mm -hmm. uh, something like Sleep No More, mm -hmm. you have it, it's a bit more improv-y, right? It is. I mean, they definitely have a set cycle that they go through every night, several different yeah, things. Yeah, so these actors have to be here at a certain time, mm -hmm. but there's also some interactions that happen with the guests, especially. Right where they're you know completely off script. Yeah, and those are interactive, definitely interactive yeah. and and very one-on-one -on -one. and you travel and sleep no more you're you're walking up, you know, five or six flights of stairs yeah. or running most of the time. Um but it, it is very inspiring and I've gone I've gone to sleep no more so much that I've been inspired by the lighting and by the detail there's so much attention to detail there. Um that it, I think it's wise though for people to go and be inspired but not to try to replicate. Um I think there's a danger in trying to say oh I just want to do this. I've heard people say I want to do something like this at this motel here or this place here and it's like I'll oh, just do your own thing. Right. Don't you, try to do what this person has done, you know. Yeah, you get and that's kind of getting married to the danger of getting married to one idea yeah and then when you realize that it may not be able to happen the way you specifically envision you get completely uh disoriented and unmotivated and all those things and when it's really again your mother of invention kind yeah. of uh comment is that okay now shift mm -hmm. figure something else out so i think that's really interesting so 
thinking about putting the guest, the audience in that perspective in a barn, in a building, in a mm-hmm. mental institution, which most audiences should be maybe in one of those things. <laughs> um, what about the the actors themselves? Mm-hmm. And what about taking that script and interpreting in that to that uh, specific venue? So St. Joan was in a little more of a traditional setting, but yet a very stark and very simple uh, uh, stage. Uh, what about uh, Equus? What about the the way that the actors handled that? How did they feel about doing a show in, in that kind of environment? I think it really helped them. Um, I think it really, um, you know, actors are often theater actors. You know, are, are often encouraged to 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 be bigger, to play to the balcony, you know, play to the last row on the balcony and all that. But when you're doing a play in a smaller venue, a more intimate uh, venue, you don't have to do that. Every little um, gesture, uh, an expression, facial expression will read very closely, you know. Um, and that was actually really wonderful. Uh, the review that we had, uh, one of the reviews that we had for Equus mentioned the way that the lead was was grasping at straws um literal straw with his um with his hand with his the, his fingers and those little details you couldn't see if it was in a big right theater and i'm really glad that that uh the the reviewer picked up on that because they're just little these little tiny details that you can really get in and, and work on with the actors and i feel like it helps become more alive we we did dracula at a place called carmine boutique which has this um Edwardian fetish club in the back. It's yeah. like a, it's like an oddities store and taxidermy and all this weird stuff. And in the back, there's just Edwardian fetish club. And people say, "What's that?" It just looks like a bar, but they have these like human size, almost bird cages, uh, that we put Renfield, who's the crazy guy in the plays, the he's gone insane. We put him in one of those, and he's talking about a bird, so it made perfect sense, you know. But they had one there, and that's the thing is like, where else are you going to find this giant human sized bird cage? But at an Edwardian fetish right. <laughs> club, which we right. happen to have. Because, yeah, you're not going to necessarily find it on eBay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and be able to purchase one. Or you could make it for, you know, hundreds of thousands, whatever. You know, it, it, it's it. But or it's there and you say you take advantage of it. And you say, look, this fits the script. This fits the character. This helps tell the story. Let's use it. Um, they have this giant deprivation box, beautiful wooden carved thing on wheels. And we were debating on um, what to use for a casket. And when they showed us that, I said, that's it. It looks like it's, it's amazing. And that's on wheels. We can wheel it around. That's perfect. Um, so things like that. Um, they had this harness thing that go up, you know, that's used for like suspension stuff people mm-hmm. are into. And we used that for Renfield. He was in a straight jacket up there spinning around. And, um, so I, I've been really lucky to find venues that have these things built in kind of already, or, or maybe I just leave kind of my mind, I, I try to leave my mind open to, um, to these things. You know, when I go into a new venue, when I go into a space, um, I like how if you're a spy, what you're going to do, you're trained to go into a room and look for the exits. Right. And as a director looking for unusual spaces, you're going to go into a room and go, Okay, can I stage something here? Right. What is the okay? So you could sit here, and uh, I could do okay. And I'm always got a cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're in the <laughs> library of WPRK. They've got a bunch of CDs. What could I use that for? Uh-huh. Do they all fall down? Okay, so it's some sort of uh, Halloween theme thing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, I'm always shopping, I say. I'm always like, whenever I go anywhere traveling, that is the best thing that any artist can do is to travel. And I just don't mean like going overseas, and but like anywhere you can get out of town and go see new places and, and new things. Um, because I keep like a little little list in my head of, mm-hmm. of things I'm like, oh, I really like the way that that door is so close to this other door so that they couldn't open at the same time. And that would make a really interesting thing. And, you know, just, just little tiny things. Um, you, you just, just uh, store them, store them up in the back of your mind and, and you use them another place. Yeah. You pull them out when you need to. Um, and uh, that was, the, that was the deal with, with St. Joan uh, when I decided to do that, aside from doing it in um, an actual church, which would actually be more restrictive we did it at the Fred Stone, which is a former church. <laughs> so, um, and there's a, there was a, a bleakness to it and a starkness to it I felt would really work because St. Joan, the language is so important mm-hmm. and the characters are so important that if it had all this other uh, ornamentation that you would find in a normal church, it would be distracting. Right. And it would be too much like we're in a church watching a play as opposed to, oh, there are these kind of church elements that are just enough. Um, and I think you just have to be uh, open to that. You know, you can't restrict your mind too much to thinking just one way. Um, I did a production of A Clockwork Orange in um, a warehouse and, um, well, it was warehouse space. It's where Drip performs. I don't oh, know, sure, drive. sure. And they have a big bar and everything. Yeah. It was great. We turned it into the, the milk bar. And it was a much grittier, literally grittier, um, <laughs> uh, version of A Clockwork Orange. But um, I someone ran into me a few months later and they said, oh, I'd love, I, I really liked that production, um, you know, that you did. I'd love to see it in a theater with, you know, like lights and like curtain and like tradition. I'm like, well, you should do that then, like, because that's the exact opposite of what I was going for. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because at that point, well, and I wonder if it's the if it, what the person maybe was trying to say is I was looking for the comfort, yeah, of that, because a grittier experience is going to be just that. Like that's what you're going yeah. for. Yeah, you're going to the barn to see the show. You're going to the warehouse to see the show. Right. Uh, so yeah, it would be nice to have popcorn and intermission and. Uh, nice bathrooms and all of those things, right. but and a curtain that closes that that tells you when something is ending and right. b- beautiful lights to make things look really pretty and subtle. But that was not what I was going for. Yeah, and it's great if other people want to do that. I encourage people to do that, and that theater exists and it's very relevant. Um, there's a wonderful theater here called Theater on the Edge that does um, these um, creates these amazing hyper realistic sets. Um, in a very small space, in every single production, the set is completely different. And you wonder, how in the world is this the same space? Yeah. And they completely create it. Now, when I see a play, like they have this, they have a play going on right now called um, Orphans, and it's in um, a living room in this house. And um, I would love to stage it in the house, you know. Right. But I see what they've done, and they've created a house on stage. And there is, I mean, that's... That's magic too, um, so there's there's room for all of it, really. Yeah, well, very good. Well, let's listen to another song. Yes, and then we've got a comeback. We've got bad business ideas. We've got a pop quiz. Did you know you were going to have a pop quiz today? <gasps> I didn't study. Okay, great. You're going to stress out. That's awesome. Yes. Wanted to make you nervous about that. <laughs> I think also uh, you can go back and listen to uh, our interview, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Jeremy. I, I feel like you're. 
a little more open because last time we had uh, one of your actors here, mm-hmm. Teresa Hansen, was mm-hmm. here. Who's fantastic. She is. Uh, but you were obviously holding back oh. from how you feel about actors. <laughs> so that's we're really going to dig into that oh, in the next hour and see how you really feel about them. Okay. And then I'm going to blackmail you with that information. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, another song that you suggested, Darling Love. Yes. Uh, Christmas, baby, please come home on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. The Harry Simeon. <laughs> Simeon Corral? Let's call it that. Yeah. Little drummer boy. Yes, it that is. was it. Yes, it <laughs> was. My, the only version of that song that I really like. I yeah, I always liked that song because I wanted to play drums when I was a kid. Yeah. And I thought, oh, they're singing about me. And then I realized how much work it took <laughs> to do any kind of instrument. Right. And I was like, eh, no, I'm good. Right. Yeah. So then I just like the song. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Every week I have a very special guest, and this week's very special guest, Jeremy Sagers. Uh, so director, local uh, theater uh, producer, um, fan of theater in general. And so uh, many things. Sure. How do you how do you self-identify? Somebody asks you what you do. What do you say? Yeah. Um, and by the way, the best answer for somebody asking you uh-huh. what you do is yeah. about what? <laughs> so I and I really don't like to put labels on people and do yeah. all that, but I'm just curious about because you wear so many hats and because you do so many things. I do, especially in the creative world. Is what do you say when somebody asks you that? Well, I used to do more. I used to be a curator at an art gallery, and I used to host a show here. I used to do a lot, but this is. Um, I I just say that I'm I'm a uh, a local independent uh, producer and director, theatrical okay. producer and director. Uh, sometimes I say I'm freelance. Um, if people, you know, if I want people to, to know that I'm poor, I say, I feel, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's but, code. <laughs> yeah, but no, I just, yeah, that's for me right now. That's how I identify. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Branding here, especially in Orlando is like, it's like, uh, we're obsessed with it. I mean, it's like the, yeah, well, yeah, anywhere. Right. I but mean, it feels like because of the parks, about, it's yeah. so specifically like yeah. your branding has to be bigger than you are, you know? Well, it's funny because we have a lot, uh, so the creative community here, mm-hmm. and you've seen it a bit too, has gotten so much bigger mm-hmm. that I think we're much better prepared or ready to hear from somebody who doesn't say, doesn't have to think that they have to have a traditional job title in order to interact with people, mm-hmm. right? I think that's, uh, you know, I'm a barista and I also play with the Philharmonic. Right. I'm a this, that, and the other thing. You know, it's okay now, I think, or right. a little bit more acceptable. Yeah. Um, not that it wasn't acceptable, but it's just there was this expectation of people uh, that I think that if you didn't say some sort of, I'm a copywriter at an ad agency mm-hmm. um, or something along those lines that, uh, or about what, uh, <laughs> that you you weren't uh, taken as seriously. Let me right. Put it that way. Uh, so that's great. So you have a lot of background because I think that's going to be, you have a lot of background, yeah. obviously. <laughs> 40 have, years worth. <laughs> you have a history. Uh, that's going to be important because you, you've done a lot of different things for mm-hmm. this next segment, uh, which is, of course, Bad Business Ideas. It's time to be just one. It's going to be totally legal. We hope it won't hurt anyone. So come on and 
yes, bad business ideas. They're like icing on the cake, but the cake is missing many ingredients. Also, the icing is lipstick, and the cake, you guessed it, is a pig. Uh, Jeremy, before we get to your ideas, I want to talk to you about, we talked a little bit about it, about sort of these immersive experiences Mm -hmm. that you're bringing to the table, Uh, immersive performances, taking the audience uh, giving them a little more context about the production, and also your actors too, giving them the ability to uh, uh, to really explore different things. We talked a little bit about it: uh, warehouses, barns, fetish, taxidermy stores. Uh, so you're a bit of a subject matter expert on this. So lightning round, bad business idea, lightning round. Okay. On some other venues and some other theater ideas. Okay. So you're already talking about doing one maybe down here yeah. at WPRK. I don't want to. Spoiler alert. Well, hey, you know, teaser here. We'll just tease it away. How about a play performed in a lift or any public transportation? Yes. Are, is this is this like, what am I supposed to say? Yeah, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Already, well, thought, already yeah. thinking of it, but yes. A play done entirely through Snapchat. I don't know Snapchat. Like, okay. I don't use it. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm too old and I don't have children. So my time has come and gone. So I like children to show me. Children. Um, <laughs> not like. Children. It, not like Come in a here weird. And show me social media. Not like in a weird Kevin Spacey <laughs> way, but um, so yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't. I say I would say probably not. Okay. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm just not aware. Very good. Yeah. Uh, scripts written by artificial intelligence. This is getting some attention mm. right now. So they feed in a bunch of scripts, and then the artificial intelligence spits out a script. Mm-hmm. So I want to reverse it. What if we wrote scripts for the AIs? Sure. Um, I would say it's not really any, a place, but right. I would say any intelligence is better than what we have um, currently. Um, so <laughs> uh, from from a lot of uh, people in the industry. So I would say um, I would say sure. Why not? You know, give it a shot. If if as long as artificial intelligence doesn't take over for for people, that's fine. Yeah, then we're that's fine. fine. Uh, and actually, you know, if they take over, then you can have a full audience every night. Right, because the AI are gonna are gonna show up in your friends. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to you'll program them to show up, uh, and then a play or plays. Okay, so I was thinking a one act during mm-hmm. a five k, uh, maybe a little bit of a longer one during a ten k, and then a full play three acts during a marathon. Sure. Somehow perform, yeah. and you're running along with the oh, actors. running along. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Or you could even have a bus. Like that thing in New York called the ride, where it's like theater seats and they're they're facing they're facing out the side of oh, the really? bus with a big window. Yeah, and um, and and you could it could that ride along so with seasick. them. Yeah, well, that would be part of it. They would the have like little buckets. You could you know ah, if you needed sweet. to. If you very immersive. Yeah. yeah, very well, almost too immersive. <laughs> Immersed in something. Yes, but um, yeah, sure. I say you can do theater anywhere, so why not? Okay. Yeah, very good. Jeremy, may I call you Jeremy? Absolutely. Great. Uh, keep in t- keeping in touch with all your friends. So yes. you're on your phone. We've talked about this. You're on your phone all the time. Uh, but it's not easy. There are a lot of them mm-hmm. uh, that you have to get. I mean, in your case, there are a lot. I, I don't have that many <laughs> friends. Uh, but it's important to keep in touch with them beyond mm-hmm. just sort of a very shallow interaction on yes. social media, which granted, I wish I had any kind of interaction on social media. But that's <laughs> not the point. The point is, while I have plenty of time to interact with people on social media, but a total lack of friends, you're in the opposite situation. A lot of friends, limited time. Mm. It's, oh, is this a yes or yeah, no? Is that a, oh, 
<laughs> this was you're, going you're allowed somewhere. to speak. Yeah. This is not performance. Uh, well, I don't know if there was going anywhere. <laughs> this is immersive and interactive. I I would say n- no. I don't. I don't think I. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think I'm I'm pretty good about staying in touch with everyone and trying to. To keep when I'm in the middle of a show, it's hard, and I have friends that are like, "Oh, you want to do something?" I'm like, "I have rehearsal," you know. That's like the right. No, I'm sorry, I have rehearsal. You know, or performance or whatever. Um, but uh, I don't. No, I don't think I have. You know, I keep my circle of close friends pretty close, and I don't. Um, I have a lot of acquaintances, but uh, my time is too precious to kind of to try to get people to like me and try to just hang out with whoever you know. So I, I, I. I devote time to people who who um who I really, you know, care about. So, yeah. Well, so let's just assume you said the opposite of that because the <laughs> the whole premise of this one will be that oh, you don't have right. enough time to stay in touch with everyone. Okay. So, uh I don't have enough time to stay in touch with everyone. So, what's the premise? I'm so lost. More <laughs> coffee. Hold on one second. A lot of friends, mm-hmm. limited time. Mm-hmm. What do you do to stay in touch with what people? What do I do? Okay, that's what I was missing. All right. Yes. Let, okay, so let's see if we're on the same page yes. when it comes to the solution, this yeah. bad business idea. Yeah. What is at the core of this? I'm going to count to three. Okay. And we're both going to say the the answer uh-huh. to all of our problems when yeah. it comes to staying in touch with people right. at the same time. Ready? So one, two, three, okay. and then the answer. Okay. One, two, three. Artificial intelligence. Oh, right. Artificial intelligence. Yes. AI, it's going to take the world over anyway. Right. Why not let it manage your relationships as well? So just like Siri and Google Siri and Amazon Siri, I don't know what their names are. uh, (laughs) We're going to get a character that you can interact with Mm -hmm. that will talk to your friends for you. Not Mm -hmm. actually talk, but mostly through text messages and some way it won't recognize that it's not being talked to you by you. Right. Uh, And I've named him. It's going to be him. Yeah. After one of the most prestigious characters in literature, okay. Harvey Dent. Uh, right. Harvey Dent, famous, uh, famously fair district attorney yeah. from Gotham City. Honest person, never did anything wrong in his life. As far as I know, never became a supervillain. <laughs> so you would simply ask Harvey to not only contact people on your behalf, but have ongoing conversations with them. Basically, keep the fire burning, so to speak. <laughs> you don't want to lose touch with people, right? Who wants right. that? Yeah. Now, we could just leave well enough alone mm-hmm. and have Harvey, you know, on a very, uh, you know, surface level function uh-huh. with no ulterior <laughs> motives. Mm. Uh, but, you know, that's not going to be the way we go. It, that doesn't make it a bad business idea. Let's assume that with the AI in place, we can have Harvey ask a little bit more or ask a little bit more of Harvey. Maybe you want Harvey to look for friends who are going on vacation and need their house watched. Uh, or a friend who has a car that you can borrow. Let Harvey know what you're looking for, and he'll get it for you. Does that make sense? Because he'll sure. be able to to talk to those people. He can also get you out of doing things that you don't want to do, which is more important. So let's say uh, someone's interacting, someone's moving. They're going to have some sort of jewelry sale party at their house. <laughs> Harvey will jewelry sale party. Okay, <laughs> you know those things, right? Absolutely, I have one yeah. tonight. Uh, you know, well, if you had Harvey, <laughs> right. he could have gotten you out of that. Oh. Unless you're the one doing the selling. I'm well, not sure. I mean, <laughs> that's how you make some freelance money exactly. on the side. Yeah. Uh, he would automatically put something on your calendar when he sees the Evite go out. Right. So you'd instantly be able to know he would. Here's the thing. You wouldn't even feel guilty about it because you wouldn't even know 
that he declined the invitation on your behalf because of this fake thing you have going on. Right. So it's wonderful. <laughs> Let's do a quick role play. Okay. Oh, you dear. be Jeremy. Okay. And I'll be Harvey. All right. So let's okay. start with like a, a very easy command, uh, like putting in an appointment. Okay. Um, just Harvey, would you um, put on an, put in an appointment? I have an appointment um, with Liza at uh, 10 a.m. on Tuesday, the 12th. Sure. Uh, no problem, Jeremy. I will do that. Would you also like me to transfer money from any of your friends' accounts? They've provided me with their passwords. <laughs> no, no, Harvey. No, I, what make, what would make you think that I would want that? Oh, I'm just curious. I looked uh, as a freelancer. I was wondering if uh, maybe you could use a couple of extra bucks. Perhaps you would like some more information about them with which you can blackmail them. Well, that that sounds like an interesting idea. Um, <laughs> do you also have their Facebook? Uh, password that Absolutely. I could just, <laughs> just update their their profile. 100%. <laughs> Allow me to do that for you. And done. Harvey sounds a little too to me. What? Uh, <laughs> Harvey Dent. Here's the tagline for it. Uh, keep your friends close. Also, under your thumb close. <laughs> All right. So that's Very just nice. idea number one. Okay. There are two ideas. And so I actually have to press some buttons here to get to the second idea. Any questions on that one? Oh. Did you, mm, no. what did you think of that in general? I don't, I, um, I mean, I think the government may be interested in that. I'm not so sure about, <laughs> you know, Joe Schmo, but. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So that's your first. And by the way, I don't know if you realize this, if you mm. listen to past episodes, but you have to pick one of these ideas. Okay. And yes. then you actually have to start that company. Okay. You're legally obligated by being on the show, <laughs> contractually obligated. Okay. I don't know if you saw that in the fine print I, of our well, back and forth. It was very emails. fine. It was, it was very incursive, fine. too, so it was hard it to was read. Very it. difficult to read. Yeah. Uh, advertising. Huh. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Say it again. I was out and about this small business Saturday. I don't mm -hmm. know if you went out and uh, yes. looked around mm -hmm. at anything. I went to Target. Yeah. I went to uh, Barnes & Noble. Small businesses all the way yep. around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I went to some of mine. I went to Remix and Gringo's Locos and mm -hmm. the Mills. Secret Society Goods was out. Orlando Shore. I don't want to name drop. Right. But I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> size matters for me. Right. And when I say size matters, I mean small. Right. Very, Tiny, very small. Minuscule. What I didn't see at those locations, though, not enough people. There were some people shopping and doing mm -hmm. that sort of thing, but there can always be more. I want to support them, and I want to help other people get to know some of these small businesses. Uh, and I may have the solution with, for that. Are you ready? We're going to do another I'm, one, two, three. I'm ready. Do you know where I'm going with this? I think so. Okay. One, two, three. Ride Artificial intelligence. To the highest bidder. Oh. No. Okay. <laughs> so, listen. AI is not the solution to everything, Jeremy. Seems like it's going that way. <laughs> okay. Harvey Dent really did a number on you, I think. Yes. Advertising is great, and okay. I can bid on stuff like keywords on Google uh, and stuff like that, but that doesn't guarantee traffic into my place of business, correct? Right. But I want to be able to bid on actual customers, and with our new ride-sharing mm. service called BidBus, a small business has a chance to do that. So here's how it works. All rides start at a flat fee of $1. From there, businesses 
and the passenger can bid on the destination. Mm. So if you're a passenger and you really need to get to the airport, mm-hmm. this may not be the thing for you, but mm. maybe you bid uh, $2 <laughs> and a restaurant may bid $3 and a store might bid $4. And so all of a sudden, you know, you have sort of a bidding war for you mm-hmm. as a consumer and as the passenger, which is a nice feeling. Feeling wanted mm-hmm. in an Uber <laughs> or a Lyft. That sounds weird. Uh, but yeah. I got thrown out of an Uber one time. So the idea of feeling wanted in an Uber is compelling. Yeah. 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 If I can stay in the Uber, that's great. Well, and you wouldn't know where you're going. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't. That's I've had that happen, too, (laughs) because the driver didn't know. Well, yes. No, in this case, you would have a destination. You just wouldn't know what that destination is. That's not the driver's house, because that's also happened. Right. Yeah. So this would be... A So let's say you're running a production of a play in the future. Right. And you want to fill a couple of extra seats. Mm-hmm. You would jump on the BidBus app and you would bid on bringing mm-hmm. a few more people to your show. Mm-hmm. Now, they would still have to buy tickets. You would still have to convince them mm-hmm. to, uh, to come in. <laughs> to pay. So basically, yes. <laughs> it's, it's like a mild kidnapping. Oh, okay. Well, that's happened too. So I would say... Um, yeah, I Any don't ideas know. Here, how about yeah. this? Let me let me throw you some taglines for this okay. one because I worked okay. on these. Yeah, I'm skeptical. All Bid right. bus, avoid the traffic, but get traffic in your store. Bid bus, it's the kind of traffic that you want, the kind that is human. <laughs> Bid bus, sell your jam to this traffic. This is a little <laughs> bit of a stretch. It's assuming you have a jam-related business, right. which many people do. Sure. Bid bus, it's people at your business, maybe against their will. I like that one. Bidbus, the last tagline didn't sound positive. Please ignore it. Bidbus, we're technically not kidnapping people, we think. Bidbus, also ignore that last tagline. And this is the one I finally got to. So this is, you see kind of my creative process here. Okay. Bidbus, totally legal. Yeah, I like that one. And I like the one about people not necessarily being there. um, Against their will? Yeah, being yeah. there against their will. I, I'm yeah. curious. So as a, I, I feel like, look at it from two perspectives. Okay. Uh, as a consumer, mm-hmm. maybe it's a little bit intrusive, not knowing where you're going and having people right. uh, bid on that and also having to shell out some additional money mm-hmm. so that you can end up where you want to go. But from BidBuzz's perspective and from the business's perspective that you're mm-hmm. delivering people to, this is great. This is because now as a driver, you're going to make more money because people are bidding on it. Mm-hmm. As bid bus, you're going to make more money because, uh, you know, you, you're going to take a portion of that uh, auction. Mm-hmm. And then as the business itself, you're getting more people. It's hard to pass up. I mean, it's so, hard to say no to. Well, but... you're going to have to say no to one of these. <laughs> oh, gosh. So Harvey Dent. Okay, Harvey Dent. Or bid bus. Bid bus. So control your friends. Right. Or control the destination of strangers. Um, And I think this appeals to you from a control perspective. It definitely does. So Um, I think either one is a win for you in terms of that. (laughs) I would say uh, probably controlling strangers um, is is just more fun. It's just more fun. (laughs) There's a lack of accountability that that um, you know. Is 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 appeasing to me? So I like that. Well, it's much easier, right? Like finding the AI that you know, sort of the the back end of Harvey Dent is yeah. going to be difficult. 
uh, yeah. or programming it yeah, to be. Yeah. I, I feel like there's an intrinsic niceness to you. Yeah. So you're going to have trouble with Harvey Dent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's interesting. You think that you think that I'm nice? That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're gonna need somebody a little more duplicitous. Oh, sure, and disingenuous. <laughs> so, actually, now that I think about it, I'm the perfect person for that one. Whereas this one, you're just sending strangers maybe to fun stuff. So we could actually right. limit it to the specific businesses that we want. Right. Right. So it wouldn't be Target. It wouldn't be a Subway. Right. It would only be small businesses able to bid on this. Right. And so we'll be able to test it very easily because everybody understands ride sharing. Right. Uh, and so, yeah. <laughs> Done. I love it. Bid bus. Bid bus it is. <laughs> uh, we'll get that paperwork drawn up here in a second. Uh, but let's listen to a song, why don't we? How about the Vince Guaraldi Trio, a classic on uh, anybody's holiday playlist. Uh, this is Linus and Lucy on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. The Vince Guaraldi Trio on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Linus and or Lucy, which I think is the right. It would have been the more correct way to say that. Right. Yeah. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. A little Christmas music going because it is the beginning of the uh, holiday season, mm -hmm. uh, if you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you won't, it's still the beginning of it. There's nothing really you can do about it. Uh, you're listening to a certain degree. My very special guest this week, Jeremy Sagers. And Jeremy, I want to leave enough time that we can talk about some of the stuff that you have uh, coming up. You've done a lot of uh, really interesting plays this past year, though. Uh, so 2017, what, was, uh, what were some of the highlights for you in terms of what you did? And uh, what are some of the things you're looking forward to in 2018? Wow. So some of the highlights... Um I mean, everything I, oh, this is just a cop out, but like, I, I, I guess, I mean, everything I've done has, has, has been a highlight to, to an extent, to a certain degree. Oh, you get a quarter. Hey, um, take a shot. It's eight 30 in the morning. Um, but I, I, I mean, this is our youth. This is how I started the year, which was a play we did at, um, Macbeth studio. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we, we sort of transformed it into a New York apartment. Um, I did some great, I did some really fun fringe shows, I directed three fringe shows in St. Joan over the summer was, it was a huge, um, challenge. Um, but I would say probably the last thing I did, um, because it, maybe it's just because it's the most recent thing on my yeah, mind. Yeah. I directed, um, at Valencia first time I've ever directed at a, at a college. Um, they asked me to, to, be a guest director and um, directed a play called Red, Black, and Ignorant, which um, it's a sh one act, um, short little one hour piece. I say little, it's not little, it's, oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty intense. Uh, but uh, I was able to direct um, college students um, and then uh, Daniel Cooksley, who's, who's an actor in the community, um, in this very very challenging production of a play about uh, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of a post-apocalyptic kind of thing mm -hmm. but uh, the language was is so beautiful and was so almost poetic um, it was a real treat um, to get in there and and, and work with these uh, these these students 
on this piece, um, a piece that they probably would never get a chance to to do. You know, they study uh, the classics, and this is um, a little little more recent. Um, it was written in the eighties um, by a British playwright uh, Edward Bond. And um, it was just it was really fun to work with them and um, their enthusiasm and their their willingness to kind of just dive in and tackle it. And um, we did it outside, completely outside. I was going to ask about that because Mm -hmm. I saw some of the production photos and it Mm -hmm. looked like it was, I was going to say, even in an unusual setting, which is (laughs) par for the course. Yeah, they were very specific when um, when the college asked me, they, um, you know, wanted me to do it in a site specific location. And so they have this little classroom kind of like a tiny amphitheater outside on campus and um, we added chairs and did it under there was this there's this tree and it was really beautiful and we had planes flying over and helicopters at certain points which when you're doing a play about the end of the world kind of lends itself to that um and um owls and we had a raccoon that came out and would try to steal things not during the show but (laughs) before and after actually one night during during rehearsal he came out and um, he was, you know, interested in what was going on, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was just so much fun. And, um, yeah. I'm going to so, say from now on, you yeah. need to, uh, see if you can get raccoons and other rodents yes. into the show. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, was the, was the raccoon equity? <laughs> he was, so he couldn't speak. He didn't uh, have a okay, speaking yeah, role because yeah, yeah. you have to pay okay. him. It's like three grand, so much extra. that contract and all. Uh, they're so demanding, like, geez. you know, 30-minute breaks and all this. But they were, uh, no, it was it was a lot of fun. And so, and I, like I said, I don't know if maybe it's just because it's the most recent thing. But then looking forward, um, 2018, I'm, I've dedicated to producing the work of local playwrights Mm -hmm. original work um most of it's never been produced um a couple at least one piece that i'm um, working on or that i'm collaborating on is an original um piece being written for a a specific location that we may be sitting in right now um (laughs) um, spoiler alert (laughs) um but but yeah um i'm i'm really excited to to work with these these um writers and um a couple of them I, I know, um, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun so far. The process of 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 um, of working with them and curating their work. Uh, you mentioned earlier about adapting um, a, a, an author's words, and um, the challenge with this is obviously the author is there, and in this in the. Um, case coming up um i'm directing i'm sorry i'm producing two one acts um by a local playwright and actor and (laughs) she wears a lot of hats as well Uh, her name is ashley ann gardner and she's written two one acts uh, one called ghost and the other called funeral party and um we're going to i'm going to produce them both in one night um and ashley's going to direct one and be in the other one Mm. and another director and actress um monica Mulder, is going to direct the other one and be in the first one the other the first one yeah that's going to be interesting from uh i would imagine ashley's perspective in terms of seeing how her words are interpreted interpreting Mm -hmm. her own words and then telling people what to do. So mm-hmm. that should be interesting for her. Are you going to be there as a producer? Do you lend some guidance to uh, to her in that role? As much as she wants, yeah. I mean, the, up until this point, I've just kind of given suggestions yeah. and kind of tried to guide. Um, but I don't want to micromanage. And I really want this to be 
their project, Ashley and, and Monica. Um, and I think there's there's already trust there between the two of them, um, which is really important, especially with something like this when they're working on it so closely. Yeah. Um, but we have auditions coming up for that. And uh, it's just the yeah, most so I'm, small. Out, I'm out of the age range, so I feel like that was a personal <laughs> slight. Like you were like, oh, I know Nick's going to be looking at this, so I want to make sure that... Uh, Let's say high end 35. <laughs> so he won't have any shots. Well, you know, it was it was that and the, and the full frontal nudity. We thought that was like probably in your in your contract that no, I'm kidding. There's no full frontal nudity. I'm total. <laughs> yeah, not. no, I would have I would have required that. <laughs> that's like, in your writer. This is a Must scene have. at work. I'm, that's fine. <laughs> also, no brown M&Ms in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very excited to just produce, um, for once. And then we have a show myself and Julia Gagne, who is a director and, um, she's a, uh, former professor at uh, Valencia. She is, um, we've put our names in for the fringe lottery, which we'll find out about a week from today. Oh, okay. And, um, if that show gets selected, that will also be, uh, a local playwright, um, Ricardo. And that one you'll direct? I'll direct that one, and Julia yeah. will produce it. If we don't get in the Fringe, we've already decided that we're going to do it outside of Fringe. Uh, Ricardo Saltero-Brown um, is the uh, playwright. And, um, yeah, I just... I, it's, it, I, I really think we need to focus... I'll be fine. I just, I personally, I want to focus on, on local playwrights, at least mm -hmm. for a year, and uh, see where it goes and get their voices out there. You know, people don't grow, and they don't evolve unless their work is out there and um it's exciting to me and i'll have time to do published stuff some other Here time as well yeah, yeah wherever you know yeah. it's not um but you know i'm i'm i don't i get bored doing the same stuff all the time and i like to to mix it up and i feel like it it may hinder um you know this branding thing that people kind of want to put on me um for you know doing plays that are completely site specific or that are this or that or the other immersive um but uh, i just got to follow my gut i guess when you talked earlier you asked me what how i would describe myself and i guess an all encompassing term would be uh experimenter constantly experimenting like what happens sure. if i put this thing with this thing and this person with this person that's a casting that's what you do you know yeah. and see what happens so yeah. connector experimenter yeah yeah it's yeah, a good way to describe yourself uh let me ask you about so ashley uh mm -hmm. was in a production of space that i saw yeah. yeah and they uh in that production at the time they were using a song by the decemberists yes i believe one of ashley's favorite bands yes and yeah. a great song for the context of that uh, particular play and i think she ended up writing an original song uh -huh. to replace that because obviously when you're using music in a play yeah you need to get the rights and everything um in in your in, in from your perspective how does music come in uh -huh. when you're working and when you're looking at uh, how to incorporate it with a play do you often look at it to incorporate it or is it so uh it, you know, sometimes challenging to get the rights to things mm -hmm. that music, unless it enters naturally into it, you you just ignore it. Um, music is incredibly important uh, to me. Even even if songs don't make it into a play, mm -hmm. you know, as far as 
transitions or whatever, um, it's it's really important that I listen to music. And I will post, um, you know, these little we have these little groups on Facebook, little private groups for um, for the cast and crew. And I will post videos. Are uh, you know, or songs there that that I'm listening to that inspire me, and I encourage actors to do the same with *A Clockwork Orange*. Dozens, every single actor, every single character had their own playlist. Oh wow! And uh, I would just post and post them because music with that show was so important. But then there are shows like *Equus*, which had no music at all. Um, it was it was more about the silence and more about uh, humming and things like that, and certain sounds being created by the by the the actors same thing with the red black and angry there's a song in the play and if we had too much music or too much extra sound uh, it would take away from this song that's in there so um but i listened i definitely listened to music while i was um directing it while i was researching and, and and reading the script um and it so music is 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 huge it plays it plays a very big role um with dracula there was a lot of music in that um and uh it, it depends on the venue too where you where you do the play as far as whether you um you know the, the legalities of everything i know with sure. fringe you you have to there's like a fee i think you can pay to to play music in the show that's you know copyrighted or whatever um and they then they cover it and different venues have different things like that um with with the show this is our youth that i did earlier this year there are very specific songs listed in the play that they listen to on record. Because that's based on, uh, it was set in the 80s, right? It's set in the 80s, yeah. Okay, so and was the, it an 80s type of playlist? Kind of, but they were not your typical, like they were Frank Zappa and stuff like that. It was yeah. early 80s and the kids were from the 70s. So, and their, their style of music was not your typical, you know, 80s. So, um, you know, and it, yeah, it was, and they talk about Frank Zappa and they talk about Mothers of Invention and stuff like that. So it was really important that those very contextual, yeah, yeah, that those songs be in there. So, um, so you know, I just like once again, I try to follow that uh, that script and and uh, follow the author's intention. You know, um, but yeah, music very very important. Got it. Well, why don't we play one more song? Yeah, and then come back with a pop quiz. Thank you for that. Oh. It's interesting to get that perspective because I think that, uh, you know, I, I think everybody kind of assumes they know what certain jobs entail, mm -hmm. right? And especially when, oh, well, I've seen it in pop culture references. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I know how to be a director mm -hmm. uh, because I've seen all that. But I, I think there's so much more to it. And you referenced a couple of things there, which is like doing the research and mm -hmm. figuring things out. Like, what did they intend? And what was the time like when this was written? And things of that nature. And then also the 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 music. I mean, picking up music to help inspire your actors is really relevant. I got to. I have to imagine that was super helpful for them. Yeah, they all. I encourage every actor before they're listening to a show to really get in the zone to put on their their headphones and play their iPods. You know, like it just get in their zone with the yeah. music. And before Dracula, every single person had on their own little thing in their own little zone and they're playing the music to get into the, you know, and like I said, even if it wasn't used in the show, if it, if it got them there, yeah, that's all that that's, mattered. You that's know? exactly it. Yeah. yeah. If it's all Britney Spears to get you ready for Dracula, right. <laughs> more power to you. <laughs> all right. So let's listen to uh, one of my favorite jazz musicians. This is Jimmy Smith with I'm dreaming. Of a white Christmas, I think is how I'm going to emphasize all the words there. <laughs> On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to A Certain Degree.
Jimmy Smith on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. And uh, as we all are sometimes, hopefully dreaming of something. Good morning. <laughs> my name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Our time with Jeremy Sagers is almost up. Best hour is here. And she will take on marketing news in a few short moments. But first, Jeremy, yeah. before I release you to the world, <laughs> uh, we do have a pop quiz. It's a big anniversary today. For Alfred Nobel, uh, for whom the Nobel Prizes are named. Uh, after more than a year, on this date in 1895, he signed his final last will and testament, oh. which established the uh, the prizes. Oh, okay. And so that was the idea behind it. So this is a quiz about prizes, awards, oh. other commemorations. Are you ready? As ready as I'll be. Excellent. Let's start with an easy one. Which one? Mm -hmm. Medals and trophies that are gold or med medals and trophies that are silver? Wait, I'm sorry, what was the question exactly? Which, which one? Which Gold, one? Oh, oh, which metal one? and trophies, or silver metal and trophies? Um, I would say silver. Silver. Less ostentatious. Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm with you on that one. Okay. So let me just write. I'm going to keep score Okay. while we're doing this. Uh, in his will, Nobel, Nobel? Nobel identified five categories for the prizes. What were they? A, physics, chemistry, medicine, literature, and peace. B, physics, economics, alchemy, literature, and peace. Or C, physics, economics, alchemy, literature, and witchcraft? B. Uh, no, it was no, A, it alchemy, was... no alchemy. Oh, no alchemy, okay. Medicine, and oh. uh, yeah. Uh, so in 1969, the sixth category of prizes was added in economic sciences. What other categories should be considered? A, cinematic universes, B, Cyber Monday deals, <laughs> or C, theme parks, a Nobel Prize for theme parks? <laughs> Well, we do live in Orlando, so... I'm not... You can pick whatever you like. Um, I will go with A, though, I think. A cinematic universe. Yeah, I like that, yeah. so I'm going to give you a point for that. Uh, let's switch over to awards in the entertainment world okay. because they've got a lot more pomp and circumstance. Sure. And frankly, I understand them more, <laughs> uh, both the winners and the nominees. It's not too early to start speculating about what movies are going mm. to do well this award season. Out of these five, mm -hmm. which one do you hope gets the most nomination and awards? A, The Shape of Water. B, Get Out. C, Wonder Woman. D, The Big Sick. Or E, Lady Bird. Oh, Lady Bird. Yeah? Have you seen yeah. it yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Was I really good? enjoyed it. Yeah, either, I mean, Get Out would be wonderful, too, um, to see nominated. So it's really, it's hard, but it would be between the two of them. I okay. feel like Lady Bird has the better chance, let's face it, it's Hollywood. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think Lady Bird. Very yeah. good. There's still a few there that I have to see, and Lady Bird is, uh, is definitely one of yeah. them that I want to check Greta out. Greta Gerwig is so, so incredible. Yeah. Uh, there's the EGOT. Uh-huh. Okay, so yes. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, yep. and a few winners mm -hmm. of those. Uh, quite a few, including uh, uh, Dame Whoopi Goldberg. Mm -hmm. Dame. Uh, what about an on Oscar and Nobel? Only one person has done that. Who would that be? Was it A, George Bernard Shaw, B, Al Gore, or C, Audrey Hepburn? Hmm. Um, I don't know that Al Gore's won an Oscar, except it would be for Inconvenient Truth, but did he win it? Or was that the producer of the film? Um, I would go with uh, Catherine Hepburn? Uh, Audrey Hepburn. 
Audrey, Audrey Hepburn, sorry. Yes, Audrey, Audrey, Audrey Hepburn, Hepburn yeah. uh, did win the EGOT. Yeah. Uh, she has not gotten a Nobel. It was no. actually George Bernard It Shaw. was Bernard Yeah. I wonder what he won the... Best uh, writing screenplay yeah. for Pygmalion, Pygmalion in 1938. Okay, And then the Nobel Prize in Literature for uh, 1925. Soon uh-huh. after he published St. John, yeah. which you directed here at Rollins I know, College. I should know that. Boom. Just brought it all <laughs> the way around. Okay, so one quick open answer, and then we'll okay. talk about some of the stuff you have coming up. Okay. This is an open answer, so yeah. no right or wrong. Uh, it's 100 in the 115 plus years of the original five Nobel Prizes mm-hmm. awards being uh, awarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Peace Prize has been awarded the least. So there have been some years where they've canceled it. In many cases, like during World War One and right. World War Two, they didn't award any of them. Hmm. But there are some years where the Peace Prize is not awarded. Okay. How come? How come? Yeah. How come they didn't? You said there's no, there's no right answer. It yeah, like it's thing. the Peace Prize, and yeah. it is the one that is least awarded. So why would you say that is the case? Huh. Um, oh, my gosh. Because... They felt like people needed a break. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's really strange. There's no. There's no real reason. Like you don't. There's no like. Uh, there was no one to give it to. There's no one to give it to. Some of those it. years. Yeah. That was just it. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just so strange, though, that they would not. Uh, you'd think that it, during, you know, world wars, they would try to find someone who was <laughs> trying, doing something. Doing yeah. something. Yeah. But um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Jeremy, just yes. a couple minutes left. Yeah. Thank you for indulging me with my uh, <laughs> pop quizzes. I'm learning here. Y'all. Uh, that is the point. And it's not even 9 a.m. <laughs> that is the point of, and why I do things that I do. Uh, the best way to find out about upcoming shows, to learn more about you, yeah. Instagram and Twitter, you're mm-hmm. at. I would, yeah, Twitter, def, well, I would say f- Facebook. Go on and like Facebook. Jeremy Seggers. Um, it's White Rabbit. Orlando at White Rabbit Orlando, all spelled out. Yep. White Rabbit is something I sort of came up with as a placeholder for now. Seth Kaberski of the Weekly uh, said that I was like the White Rabbit of Orlando and like bringing people to these unique locations and for theater. And I was like, okay, sure, that sticks. So I'll just wait. So are you drugging them as well? Isn't that part of the thing? Shh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not drugging in the air if it's in the air, right? Is that like oh, a, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, it's aromatherapy. Um, no. Uh, so yes. And then uh, Twitter would be at white rabbit ORL. Um, and then Instagram is my own Instagram, but it's at gerables. Um, I, I don't really try to communicate. Um, I just post like funny photos of like my dog and my cat. Sure. And stuff like that. On well, that's what <laughs> people want to see and food, you know, but as far as any projects I have going on, definitely, um, Facebook and, uh, and Twitter. And I'm really yeah. looking forward to ghost and funeral party. Yes. Both um, so Ashton Gardner plays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very excited. Original, original theater. And, um, I think the important thing is, you know, sort of leave people with like a, a final thought or whatever from my perspective is mm-hmm. that like, you know, what I do and what any director does, any theater professional does, um, you anybody can do it. It's not like you have to have millions of dollars and you have to have a theater and everything. You can do it in your own home. You can do a play. You can get together. With your friends, you can write a play, you can write a one-person show, write your own material, um, and and just do it. 
you know, there's, there's no sort of mystery behind that. And don't let people kind of put you into a, a, a box. Um, that's just something I try to like really push, especially here in Orlando. Um, it doesn't have to be done a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to be done. So anyway, that's my little soapbox. <laughs> so uh, it's it's an interesting point, though. You actually, I, I forgot to ask you about this earlier yeah. because you mentioned this. It is, you know, turning what turning the things that you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a big problem with seeing art mm-hmm. um, and seeing writing and seeing things that I, I was really enamored with. And I would turn that into frustration, into my own creative sort of blocks. And so taking that and turning it into inspiration. Absolutely. Right? So read a lot. I think it was one of the read things you mentioned yeah. uh, on the show from earlier this year where you're talking about uh, if you're looking at directing or if you're looking at getting into the theater, read a lot of plays. Read a lot of plays. See plays if you can. Um, but reading, um, my cast, uh, this play that I just did at Valencia, as their cast gift, I gave everybody in the cast a, a play to read that they maybe weren't aware of or that yeah. they wouldn't, you know, be given to to read in some sort of intro to theater class where it's all Tennessee Williams and Arthur Miller. Um, and <laughs> Are those famous obscure, playwrights? Yeah. They're local. They're yeah, like, okay. you know, they're from like Winter Never Garden. Never heard of them. Um, but <laughs> uh, and, and I think it, it, that's the best thing you can do is, uh, you know, go to the library, check out plays, read, 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 and go see plays. There's some really great local theater that's not overly expensive, that's not um, inaccessible that you can do. Go, go to, yes, go to Fringe, but there is amazing theater year round um, here in, in Central Florida. Perfect. We'll leave it at that. Thank you very much, yes. Jeremy. Thank you, Nick. Uh, best hour coming up with marketing news, and I'll be back next week with some very special guests. We have Hapaziz here next week. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. We'll take it out with a little bit of Jimmy McGriff uh, with Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. For more information on Jeremy's upcoming shows, go to Facebook and like at White Rabbit Orlando. Follow him too, why don't you? If you need more drama than what Jeremy has to offer, visit toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A certaindegree.com. That's where it's all happening. Every last drama. All the things are going on there. How much longer is this?